Uh, let's bring in uh, Odog into the conversation, TSN hockey analyst who's out in Halifax right now. He's been, he's had a, a first hand look at the Bedard show the last couple of nights. I mean, Odog, what have you seen from Connor Bedard on a nightly basis? Everyone talks about this guy. I mean, what's what's stood out to you most? What's been most impressive about Connor Bedard these last uh, couple of games here? I said to Duffy guys on the broadcast the other day, I'm like, I played against the greats from Gretzky to Lemieux to Crosby and Ovechkin, and I've obviously followed closely Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Connor McDavid, um, Leon Dreisaitl, and I'm kind of used to seeing like great stuff, but this guy continues to impress me. And every time I think to myself, let's just slow down here, like you can't. Every time he gets on the ice, he, he's amazing. And for the people that are saying, well, look at the competition that he's doing it against, and they're winning 10 nothing. okay, that's fine and everything, but how come no one else is doing it? Yeah. <laughs> like if it was that easy, then why isn't Shane Wright scoring every time he gets on the ice? Why isn't anyone else doing it in the tournament? It's just like he's way different. He looks way different. And it's honestly, he had a play last night where he crossed the blue line and he wasn't even moving. And it's like what great players do, Mario or just Gretzky, whoever. He just didn't take a stride, but it seemed like he was going 100 miles an hour just using his edges and kind of weaving his way in the offensive zone. And it's like people just start disappearing around him. And it's like, man, that's awesome to watch. It was right in front of me. And then all of a sudden it's this backhand pass, no look to Shane Wright with an empty net, and you're like, man, that's good. Like, that's just real good. And I heard what you guys were saying about the teams. I'd be tanking for them too, but when you look at it big picture, you're looking at the league saying, do we have, like, a great league, but there's, like, not enough good players? We're talking seven or eight teams that should be tanking. Why are seven or eight teams looking to tank for one player like is there not enough good players out there that's kind of one concerning thing about the league if you're looking at it that way but don't you think jeff like you get that like even here you get austin matthews and it just changes everything like if that's lion a good player but he's not matthews do you know what i mean like it kind of just raises the ceiling of what you can become you know no kidding jonas like there's a bad team out there who's offensive outlook, the way they look offensively, is going to completely change next year when they get Connor Bedard. And the same thing happened with Austin Matthews. It's like, when you throw a guy out there that could score 50 or 60 goals, even 40, the off, like the way your team looks offensively, teams like Chicago or Philadelphia, I mean, the Arizona Coyotes, but they apparently looked pretty good last night. Like it just it, it it looks totally different, and then your team is allowed to build around that, which is what everybody wants. The problem is if you totally crap the bed and you don't get Bedard, <laughs> you talked about the difference between Matthews and Line Eight. Then what the hell do you do from there? Then it's well, like we're brutal. We dumped everybody, and we still don't have a guy that's going to change the makeup of our team. So where the heck are we going to go from here? Well, I think yeah. that was basically the, the Sabres the year McDavid was, was in the draft, right? They ended up trading anyone who made a save just to be as bad as they could to end up with the top lottery odds, and they didn't end up winning. Edmonton won the lottery, and, I mean, they ended up with a pretty good player in Jack Eichel, but it wasn't McDavid. 
Al, Al's brother, I don't think you were around when that draft happened, but it's like Tim Murray was the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, and he could not help himself. <laughs> like it was, it was basically a slap in the face to Jack Eichel. But he said after the lottery draft, he's like, man, we tanked and we were so brutal, and this is what happens. I don't think Jack Eichel liked those that, that talk very much, but no. it was like a big difference between McDavid and Eichel. Oh, is there somebody that when you watch Bedard, you're just like, he reminds me of that guy? No, he's very unique, Jonas. Um, he, he's not the biggest guy, and people around, like this, just people walking around or sitting in the lobby or whatever, they're like, are you concerned about his size? And I was like, I was concerned about Crosby's size. When I saw him in junior, he didn't look like the biggest guy, and he worked out pretty well. So he's not the biggest guy, and he's got like this Mario-length stick that he carries around, and it looks kind of, it really looks different. But he's not the fastest skater, but he's a very good skater. He just, what separates the guy is obviously the way he thinks the game, his ability to shoot the puck, and then you think, okay, you're enamored with the shot, and then he makes these incredible passes as well. I mean, these kind of like no-look kind of half-slap passes to Dylan Gunther on the off wing. It's just, it's just really cool to watch. You're just like, I can't help myself. As I mentioned earlier on in the interview, it's like I've seen all the greats play, and then you see him do stuff. You're like, it's just, it's, it's really impressive. It's really darn good to watch. We're chatting with uh, O Dog, um, who's out covering the World Juniors right now, and. Canada's got a game tomorrow, probably, well, definitely their biggest game at this point through the round robin. They'll be taking on Sweden. I mean, what's the mindset here if you're Canada, though? Because you're coming off of two massive victories against two subpar teams, we could call them. Um, But now you're taking on Sweden, who, you know, might be one of the favorites of the tournament. I mean, how difficult is it to transition from playing those lesser teams to now coming up against probably the most difficult opponent in tomorrow for the New Year's Classic. I think, A.B., it's, it's, uh, it's my kind of favorite part of the tournament where the party's over. You've got Sweden, and, you know, there could be some lob- lopsided victories lying ahead of this team, but I've plowed through the 11 nothing, 12 nothing wins because you got to do them, and you got to talk about what happens because you can't just bypass them. But it's not very competitive. And it's also you have to see a change in the team because we really don't know what this team is right now because they had the, the, the upset in the first game. They lost to Czechia. And then you're thinking, okay, how are these guys going to respond? How can you honestly say that that's a response for the competition they've had? So that game, that first game against a competitive Czechia team, it's still kind of floating out there where it's like, what, what are these guys like? Are they, are they that good? Are they not that good? I mean, I was kind of concerned in the first 15 minutes last night where nothing was happening and they looked awful. They were turning it over all over the ice, and I'm like, please don't tell me this is going to happen on my watch where I have to watch an upset. And it didn't. So it's still like, what are these guys? And now they've got some competition coming up with elimination games following that. So it's basically time for the coach to say, I think anyway, I mean, you don't want to bench anyone at the World Juniors. It's such a, like a prestigious moment for these kids, but it's kind of crunch time, and it's basically the way the game is played right now. I know everyone talks about depth and having four lines going, but the amount of power plays that happen in a modern-day game, it's basically a three-line game. So if I'm the coach, I'm looking at these guys saying, 
whoever wants to go out there and turn the puck over, unless we're talking about Bedard or something like that, maybe you're not going to play because there's no time. We have to find some chemistry, and we have to find another line that is a threat offensively and a danger out there because if this is going to be the, the Connor Bedard show the whole way through, the opposition is going to say, we got one chance to win, and it's to shut down number 16, and if we do that, maybe we're going to have a good chance to win. Back in the day, the Oshawa Generals played the Erie Otters with Connor McDavid, and they had one, one mission, shut down Connor McDavid, and we're going to have a chance to win, and that's exactly what they did, and they went on to the Memorial Cup. Yeah, I remember that. It was uh, Cole Castles, who was the McDavid shutdown guy. And, yeah, it, yeah, that's all you do sometimes is shut down one guy. I'm curious, though, oh, um, it, there was so much talked about the Michigan after the first game. We didn't see it at all against Lafayette. We didn't see it at all uh, in, in either of these last couple of games, actually. If I were to set the number at over under half of Michigan, do you would you take the over or the under for the rest of the tournament from Canada? Let me just before I answer that question, just go back to that. And I got no problem with the Michigan. Okay, it's entertaining. It's it's an avenue for these guys to score goals. And it was never about the Michigan. It was about how they were prioritizing the Michigan over winning the hockey game. It was like we got to go out there and we got to do the Michigan. It's like. The Michigan comes after you're dummying a team and you've overwhelmed them physically in their own zone and you've got so much time behind the net. Go ahead and try the Michigan. But it was like, forget about the World Juniors, forget about the gold medal. It seemed like it was going to be a Michigan contest and all of a sudden they lost the hockey game. That was where the problem lied with many people. Not even a problem. It was just like that was their priority. I'm going to do this and look at me as opposed to win the game and deal with that, and then maybe a Michigan happens organically later. But as far as over-under, I honestly think it's under because it was talked about so much and it was kind of made of a big deal, and some of the players even said we're not going to Michigan our way to the gold medal. So I think after that it probably won't happen. Well, I want to ask you about something more important than the World Juniors than the Leafs. I just want to know how you're dealing with the departure of, of Luke from your team. How, how are things internally with Al's brother? Are you guys getting along? Is there dissension? Like, how is everything? I don't ever want to hear the name Luke Wilson on our station again. <laughs> Can you believe honestly, the nonsense? No, no. Honestly, what that guy did, he and Al's brother, and he thinks that Brian Hayes is some, like, like god as far as picking winners in the NFL. Me and Al's brother, who are basically nobodies, and we know that, we are going to show them. I'm disgusted at what he did, and him and Hayes think they're so cool, and I'm so fed up with their stupid memes and their tweets. They're both losers, and me and Al's brother will be triumphant, and we will dominate and show them who's on top at the end of this. Absolutely, pal. That is 100% correct. That's what's going to happen. Al's brother, are you so friendly I with him? Uh, you know, it's starting to it's starting to go the other way. I'll be honest, especially after last night. I mean, can you believe that they're trying to weasel us out of a win from that game? We took the Cowboys. Right the now, line was, if they try to take away oh. that victory from us, I'm done. I'm done on the. I'm done on radio. Period. That's a victory for us, and that's it. I'm not having any more of a discussion. The live line was thirteen and a half, and we will Thank get you. the thirteen and a half. One hundred percent. Thank you. That will be well. Trust me, I'll I'll take this all the way to the Supreme Court 
if we have to, if we have to defend our honor. I like the new team name. Plus JP plus Joe. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. We should, we might have to get new new hats and new T-shirts potentially when it comes to that. Uh, we're chatting with the O Dog Jeff O'Neill, TSN hockey analyst. Um, I, I'm curious. It's it's the it's the end of the year O, and typically at the end of the year people come up with New Year's resolutions. Do, what do you think would be the New Year's resolution for the Toronto Maple Leafs for 2023? Thank you, brother. That's a slam dunk. Uh, it's have success in the playoffs. There's no other way around it. It's kind of the same thing this year. And I don't know, just by, there's a lot of hockey people around this hotel, and they all say the same thing. It's like they can have skill, but the playoffs is a completely different ball game. So once, once again, kind of everyone else thinks the same thing. But are the Maple Leafs going to just continue the way they are? I don't know. That's That's... It, it does have a different look to it this year, but everybody that I have a little stop and chat with here, they all say the same thing. They've got a lot of skill. They're proving it again. They're basically doing the same thing. But is there enough will and guts to get it done in the playoffs? Because that's a lot of what happens in the playoffs. Oh, okay. So, O-Dog, this is what the music means. It's the last day of 2022, so we're doing a little impromptu random trivia segments throughout the show and Luca just played the music which means we gotta get a trivia question in here I mean Jonas he's kind of been on fire I'm not gonna lie I'll give credit to the little weasel but he's been pretty good for the team little forcing. weasel yeah, that's what we call it wow. that's, that's what they call you at least wow it's time for you to answer a question oh dog are you ready I'm ready bud I'm good at trivia fire anything at me and I will answer to the best of my ability Absolutely. All right. In the year 2022, how many Maple Leafs scored a point per game pace in the year 2022? How many Maple Leafs? Yes. So which Toronto Maple Leafs scored at a point per game pace or at a point per game in the year 2022 from January 1st? Till this very date. Dude, what is this? A question for a junior kindergarten kid? John Tavares, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. That's incorrect, though. That's incorrect. John Tavares has not been a point-per-game player in the year 2022. The rest of the three you got, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. Those three have been point-per-game, but not John Tavares. Four? There's only three. Why didn't you tell me I was wrong in the first place? I did. I said you yeah, was incorrect. The only, it was just Tavares. I mean, he was close. He was only a couple of points off from getting it, but uh, the, the answer was three. But we'll give you a three out of four on that one, which is still pretty good at 75%. And uh, I think that's still a W, right? 75% or 50%. That's a win. We'll give that win in the column of, of Team Aldog, by the way. In our football picks. Last night with the Leafs, fellas, you got any updates for me? The hotel room won't show the game, so give well, me the update. It's good you couldn't see the game because you can barely watch the game from that little arena. Yeah, it's Dude, that was terrible. I saw some of the pictures of the lighting; it looked outrageous. It was brutal. It was it was weird, bizarre, not what you expect out of a, a National Hockey League rink. Like, I, I, imagine being a player and you, you finally make it to the show. 
and that's what you kind of well, that's what you're going into. Dude, I did it in Greensboro. You had to drive an hour and a half away from Raleigh and play in an arena with a tarped-off upper level and with 2,000 people in there. And I was like, I don't know really what I deserve and as far as hockey goes, but I feel like I'm on the East Coast League, and this is supposed to be the NHL. Yeah, but luckily, bizarre. I knew that there was an arena being built in Raleigh, so I could wait it out, and I wasn't a superstar to complain about it. But those guys, it's like, I don't know. It, 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 living in Arizona is a great life, but playing in that situation, uh, it, it can't be very good for those guys. Yeah. 